Well, welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and yes, it is Super Tuesday because, <clears throat> well, first of all, it's Tuesday. But secondly, we've got some political stuff to talk about, and the Senate race is not over yet. They are still counting ballots on a couple of House races. It looks like the GOP will eke out a narrow victory in the House of Representatives. I think like 222 uh, is the final tally. We were told it was going to be way higher than that. But what's interesting is to watch the pundits already talk about how we still have a threat for democracy because now there's a Republican majority, and you know what that means. They're all white supremacists. Come on, guys. I mean, the beauty of having the GOP uh, have the dominant in the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate being controlled by the Democrats is now maybe both sides will have to get along. Or maybe we won't have World War III because we won't have a supermajority. The past couple of presidential elections, in 2008, when Barack Obama and Joe Biden were crowned winners, uh, President 44 entered his first two years in office with a Democrat supermajority and could have turned us into China. In tw- by the time 2016 rolled around, Donald Trump came in with a Republican supermajority and could have turned us into Nazi Germany. I mean, <laughs> the, the, listen to the pundits. I mean, it obviously wasn't as bad, quite frankly. I think we did a lot better with the government uh, supermajority of the GOP than the Democrats. But nonetheless, neither party solo rule was perfect. Joe Biden entered office in uh, January of 2021 with a Democrat supermajority. And it has been painful, I mean, to, to say the least. I mean, in terms of massive debt, uh, you know, the, the, the president still extending a COVID emergency through April of 2023. Not that we're at risk with COVID. I mean, Washington Post even had to report last week that the number of COVID-related deaths now of vaccinated people is greater than of unvaccinated people. Remember a couple of years ago when we were told that if you were not vaccinated, you were the problem? You, pundits, I mean, these are, I'm not making this up. I mean, you deserve to die if you're unvaccinated. You're, you're, you're the part of the problem. You're the worst part of the problem. And now we're finding out that more people, because more people got the jab, people are still dying of COVID and comorbidities and all the things that we told you here on the bottom line show pfizer has an ad out right now talking about who is more likely to die of covid and why you need their treatment not their vaccine but their treatment and it's high blood pressure overweight hypertension diabetic i mean all the things we told you here say hey wait a minute we know who is most at risk when it comes to covid why are we spending so much time and energy demonizing people who aren't at risk you're over 65, you're at greater risk than if you're under 50. I mean, it, that that's just the science. And now that's just part of the ad campaign to get you to try the Pfizer treatment once you get COVID. Two and a half years after the pandemic, almost three years after the pandemic, we're finally hearing now that once you get it, there is a treatment for it. Instead, it was you have to take the silver bullet. And once you're vaccinated, then it will provide this protective shield. But even Dr. Fauci and his, his exit interviews is now saying well you know we didn't have any there's no real actual science that proved that masks work that six feet works that uh, washing your hands work that any of that stuff worked they just basically were practicing medicine so nonetheless anyway but today here on the bottom line show it is super tuesday because the georgia senatorial race is still going on uh, Raphael warnock against herschel walker Raphael warnock seems to be winning with the line that herschel walker's an idiot I mean, that's basically he's not smart enough. This this job, you know, involves uh, taking, you know, you got to do stuff, I think was what Senator Warnock said. And it was very interesting, too. 
was looking at Twitter, you know, Twitter that was going to be the end of democracy once Elon Musk took over. And now, quite frankly, I'm seeing a lot more balance in Twitter. I'm seeing a lot more, you know, here's the email I get from them. It used to be every every day I would get an update and it was five or six hardcore right wing people and one moderate. Now I'm seeing three left, three right. And I'm like, hey, this is great. I want to see from both sides. I want to hear from both sides. I want to know where people are. Here's a picture on Thanksgiving of Raphael Warnock with his mother. Sweet elderly woman. It's a great picture. And the caption was, you know, his family doesn't get any better than this. And I thought, oh, the irony that this man encourages people in his community to not do what his mother did. I don't know his full story. If he was raised in a single-parent household, I don't know how much younger he is than his mom, if she was a teen mom or whatever. But why is it that this man who says, my mom's the best in family, there's nothing greater than family, actively encourages women in the African-American community to abort their children? It seemingly does very little to help women facing an unplanned pregnancy to actually deal with it. I mean, does not make a whole lot of sense to me. But nonetheless, that election's going on. I, I pray that you would be praying for people in Georgia, uh, not praying necessarily that one side wins over the other, but that God's will is what we actually get to see played out in the election. Hey, I realized Thanksgiving was this past week. Hope you had a wonderful uh, weekend. Hope you had a wonderful weekend indeed. Um, we have a couple days left at a special contest that we're doing right now. Uh, here on uh, our Southern California affiliate for the Bottom Line Show, K-Bright Radio. It's called the We Are So Thankful That You Are Here. So grateful, too. Basically, you have an opportunity to actually let us know about somebody that you know that you are thankful for. We are giving 29 gifts to 29 different people. And all you have to do is to nominate someone whom you are thankful for. We've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com. All the winners are going to be contacted starting next week. This is going on uh, today and tomorrow, the final days. 29 gifts for 29 people, and we're talking anywhere from uh, Hobby Lobby gift cards, books, calendars. We've got uh, a variety of programming material from our programmers, David Jeremiah at Turning Point, Dr. Jeremy McGarity, Skyline Radio, Charles Stanley from In Touch, and more. We've got in-and-out gift certificates to give away, too. 29 different gifts to 29 different people. Here's the catch. You are nominating someone that you know to win something, just someone that you're thankful for. Here's what, I mean, you basically you fill in your, your name first and last. There's an email uh, address so we can contact you, the city where you listen, and then which K-Bright affiliate you listen to, either AM 740 or AM 1240. And it's funny, <laughs> on the form it says, who would you like to bless today? Required. Uh, yeah, that's the whole point, right? Um, you fill out everything, you go ahead and uh, click the little box and hit submit, and chances are you're going to win something, or the person that you are nominating is going to win something. What a wonderful way to bless someone with the I Am Thankful campaign. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the banner, or we've got the link hyperlinked up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we encourage you to take a look at that and uh, nominate somebody that you are thankful for, for our thankful uh, I Am Thankful Promotion that's going on, uh, these are the last two days that we're talking about it here on the Bottom Line Show. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to wade into a little bit of controversy here. Um, this is a story that a lot of people have kind of shied away from for a lot of different reasons, and uh, we're going to kind of get into the thick of it here. You'll recall that in October of 2020, just a few weeks before the presidential election of 2020, there was a... Um, 
there was a story that broke about a laptop that had belonged to Hunter Biden, one of the sons of then former Vice President Joe Biden, who was running for president of the United States. And a guy in a repair shop uh, in the eastern seaboard uh, said, hey, look, he dumped, took this computer to me, said I need some, I'm having a hard time getting some files up or this, that, and the other thing. Could you do work on it? And then he never came back for it. So a year later, the guy who had the laptop finally went to authorities and said, look, there's a lot of sensitive information on here that I'm not comfortable having in my possession. Would you take a look at it? And it turned out it was all sorts of emails and documents and things like that involving Hunter Biden's dealings with the Chinese government, Russian officials, uh, officials in Ukraine, uh, a lot of things that have been reported on. Why is Hunter Biden sitting on the board of directors of an energy company when he knows nothing about energy? The guy's an artist, for crying out loud. And a lot of people said, well, wait a minute. I mean, this is, this is a huge story. The New York Post ran the article, and then all the major media outlets said, no, we're not going to look at this. This is not credible. Now, I understand that when it's a couple weeks before an election, just about anybody will say just about anything to try to prove a point. Case in point, Washington Post issued a retraction over the weekend. Remember the raid at Mar-a-Lago a few months ago? Was it back in the spring? And all the lefties were going, yeah, they're going to get Donald Trump. He's shaking in his boots. First Steve Bannon, now him. They're, they're tossing his whole uh, operation there because he's got secret classified nuclear documents, blah, 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 blah. And then they got there and they found a lot of empty files. They found a lot of other things that weren't any worse than what his predecessor had taken, 30,000 of them to a different place of storage where he had it. And now the Washington Post had to admit about three weeks after the election, about three weeks after any candidate that Donald Trump backed was basically trounced in the election, yeah, remember that raid on Miralago and all the secret nuclear stuff that we said we were going in to get? Well, it turns out there wasn't anything there. I'm sorry, what? It, there, there wasn't anything there. There were no top secret documents. And there's a good possibility the FBI knew that. But they went ahead to Miralago and they stormed the Trump compound anyway. To do what? To make a big spectacle? to throw people off the scent. No one's going to pay attention to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I mean, let's face it. And the crimes against, take the name out, take the party out. When the vice president, sitting vice president of the United States has a son who is engaged in potentially criminal activity, selling access to the White House to foreign governments, that's a big deal. Rest assured that if this had been Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump with the laptop, that the media would not rest until people were hanging, right? I mean, until careers were done, until they had, uh, you know, the, the, their guy. So the question, I guess, is whom do you trust? Because now even CBS News, two and a half years later, every major media outlet, NPR, we don't cover the stories like this because this isn't actual news. Nobody believes this. This is, this is a right-wing conspiracy. The New York Post is crazy. They got deplatformed off of Twitter until after the election. Two and a half years later, here's CBS News going, well, you know what? Uh, we've done a little research. We've done an investigative report, and it turns out that there actually were some compromised files on Hunter Biden's laptop involving him and Burisma and Ukraine and China and Russia. And in other words, everything the New York Post wrote about in October 2020 turned out to be true. 
So what next? You have a Republican-led House of Representatives who could very easily drop articles of impeachment. The Senate would never take it on. Obviously, it'd be kind of a uh, fruitless exercise. But will we be seeing another presidential impeachment? Well, Eric Karen served for many years. He came, grew up in a home where his dad was a police officer, uh, former Marine. Uh, this is a guy who worked for the U.S. Defense Department as a contractor. Um, he looked on the weapons of mass destruction program in Iran, China, and Russia. Uh, Dubai, Afghanistan, you name it. He worked for the U.S. government as a special agent. He's now retired after a 25-year career. He served as an adjunct professor with Massachusetts Maritime Academy and as a ter- terrorism expert for local news channels. He has written a fascinating book called Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. And he has some very strong opinions about what might happen in the potential indictment of Hunter Biden and whether or not it is feasible, practical, moral, or even good political strategy to pursue impeaching the 46th president of the United States. Eric Karen going to join me for a fascinating conversation about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her client's total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Cover used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well-positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Law. Stephanie Cover. she knows the other side. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're taking a look at America post-election 2022. We're taking a look at what's happening in the world. And often, I mean, there are a lot of Christians who are frustrated, a lot of conservatives who are frustrated with what's happening. But there still is a glimmer of hope that there will be a certain measure of justice with regarding uh, what's happening in the White House right now. Uh, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line is uh, Eric Karen. He is a former, uh, well, he's a special agent. He is a, uh, a man with many talents, a special agent who investigated the CIA for obstruction of justice. Um, he has been following what's been happening with the current administration and family members there, uh, therein attached. And he's got just a fascinating testimony to share. He's the author of a book called Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, and his website is switchedonlife.com. Eric Karen, welcome officially to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, my friend, what an honor to be on with you. Thank you for having me. What does it mean to be switched on? Let's start right there. <laughs> well, thank you for the question. You know, you know, um, switched on is a, is a coat of armor, in my opinion. It protects us from all threats in life, um, and both in our physical world as well as, as in our emotional world. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's important that we understand um, Roger, for, if I was not switched on, I would be dead today. And that's not hyperbole. Because of my, my job as an agent, I had to make life and death decisions 
pretty much daily, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so what does it mean to be switched on in that I learned these core principles and they're simple, but we've lost our way here in America. They're mm-hmm. simple philosophies that I learned from my Marine Corps father when I was a child. And that is strength in the mind, body, and soul. Mm -hmm. Those three are the core principles that that forms the foundation of what it means to be switched on. And they're all equally important, and they're all equally interrelated. Mm -hmm. So the mind is like a muscle. It has to be practiced. It has to be trained. Um, and so the mind controls the, the body. So mind, so you strengthen the mind through education. It's your ticket to life's party without it. You're not getting in right. strengthen the body through sleep, eat, and exercise, the C philosophy, mm-hmm. sleep, eat, and exercise every day. And we know the importance of all three. I'm yeah. giving you the executive summary. We know there's mm-hmm. been so many dissertations on all three of those and the importance of all three sleep, eat and exercise. And of course the soul strengthen the soul through faith. We need a little faith that everything's going to be okay. So what I like to say, Roger, when fear comes knocking on our door, cause it will send faith to answer. Mm. It helps us get over those dark, scary days when your mom dies, your father dies, your dog dies, your wife leaves you, your twin brother dies. And that all happened to me. Mm. And if I wasn't switched on, I would be dead today. And I want Americans to get switched on, Roger. That's an incredible testimony from Eric Karen today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, switched On is the name of his uh, biography, and uh, we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's also his uh, ministry website, which you have up as well, switchedonlife.com. As we've been looking, I mean, it's incredible. To, I mean, when you were mentioning those things, I, I, I no disrespect intended, but initially I thought, okay, there's a country song that goes with this because of all those things <laughs> happening all at once. But to endure that kind of hardship personally. Yeah. And and, yeah. and to and to have experienced the kind of things that you have experienced in your work life, this is not yeah. the nine to five job where you just kind yeah. of you know take the weekends off and go whatever, and then to endure that kind of loss. Uh, talk about how what you've learned, uh, you know, through your training, through your dad, through uh, you know the yep. faith journey that has kind of informed you so that you can now focus on the things you're focusing on, focusing on that we'll get into in just a moment here. Well, I, I have to practice each one of those core principles daily. This mm-hmm. is like getting up in the morning and brushing our teeth. Right. And, and, and that I have to, you know, strengthen my mind every day um, by, by exercising, because we know exercise strengthens the mind. I have mm-hmm. to read um, positive and encouraging information, be it the Bible or your gratitudes for the day, um, and I have to eat well, they, they, they serve really as my core principles. And I can't stress that enough, Roger. I cannot stress that enough because, again, if I was not switched on, Roger, I would be dead because cause it's easy to go to the dark side. And at times in my life, I've been close to that dark side. Sure. And so I've had to come back 
to the center and to the core principles because, you know, I suffered from PTSD in my life. And Roger, I, I suffered from, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts at a certain time in my life that when life was difficult. So I want people to understand the importance really, Roger, of getting switched on and living these core principles Read, read my book. I talk more about it, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. And I give a glimpse behind the badge and the importance of, of you know, appreciating the men and women of law enforcement, Roger, yeah. uh, because without these good shepherds, you know, we wouldn't have a country. Right. Yeah, and it's it's so important to to understand the depth of what these folks are going through. I remember meeting a uh, a detective uh, who with New York Police Department who has since retired from NYPD and is now a pastor in Florida. And he took early yeah. retirement just because of the mental stress. And he I, I asked him what it was like, and he says, "Well, I'll tell you, those twelve-hour shifts are brutal." I said, "Really? They make you work on detective cases for twelve hours at a time?" And he said, "No, it's eight hours on the job and four hours at the bar, if you don't have any kind yeah. of faith." And I went, oh, my goodness, and you're, you're right there with that, saying you know exactly yeah. when you see the kind of things that you have to see. Well, I want to take a quick break here. Eric Karen is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, a special agent who has investigated the CIA for obstruction of justice. And we're, we're going to get into something that we don't typically have someone with this depth of knowledge of the situation here on The Bottom Line show. So I, I want to pick Eric's brain a little bit. Many people have been concerned about the president of the United States, about his son, about the laptop. I mean, we've all heard about that. And it was just about two years ago that this was <clears throat> starting to come to fruition. And then all of a sudden, the media killed it. The CIA killed it. Everybody you know, said it's, it's, it's a non-story. What was it? PBS said we only cover actual stories. And it was yeah. interesting that about 18 months later, all of a sudden, the, the surface news headlines began to say, oh, yeah, wait, there is something to this and what's going on with the prospect. As of right now, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But with the prospect of a Republican uh, majority in the House of Representatives, Republican majority in the United States Senate, there's a probability a possibility of impeachment. I want to get Eric Karen's thoughts on what the case is, how it would be potentially played out. And what would that mean for America? Is it better for us to impeach a criminal president and have a regime change or to just keep on going the way we've been going in the media and say there's nothing to see here? I'm going to get Eric Karen's insight on this on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. Wilson Financial Services, honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. 800-696-9970. Just reviewed a client who put money into 3D Alternative versus leaving it in a bank. The results are in and they're fun. It's a fun report. Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. I often wonder why God's people don't do a better job with stewarding God's money. And I personally think one of them is that they've never been told how or why they should be doing it. Maybe they never heard it's God's money and we're only to be the good stewards of it. But just for fun, this turned out Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. This isn't your money. This is God's money. And we want to show you how to be the best possible steward you can be. Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we are just getting warmed up in our conversation with former Special Agent Eric Karen, uh, Defense Department contractor, uh, former Marine, uh, author of a powerful 
biography called Switched on the Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got a copy of the book to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we're talking about the investigation into the Biden family and asking the question, and I mean this not from a political standpoint in terms of, you know, party politics. I mean, let's face it. I mean, all of the allegations against the Trump family, et cetera, et cetera, when Democrats were not in power, uh, were highly politically motivated. Did the president, 45, say some things that <clears throat> frustrated some people? Yes. Did he hold some opinions that were not popular? Sure he did. He was popular with a lot of people. He was unpopular with a lot of people. There's no question about it. Criminal activity while he was in the White House. That was a whole different animal. We spent three years and how many millions of dollars in the Mueller investigation about Russian collusion that everybody knew behind the scenes was a hoax. You've got Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, walking out on meetings now because he doesn't want to have to answer questions about what he knew and when he knew it. James Comey. All, all, we know what a theater this can become. And both of the Trump impeachments, quite frankly, were theatrical in nature. I mean, that's what it turned out to be. Would Joe Biden's impeachment be any worse? Well, the question you have to ask is, realistically, what happens to the United States if Joe Biden is, in fact, impeached and found guilty and removed from office? Or would he be removed from office? Is it possible that a president could be impeached, brought up on these crimes and the Senate votes in favor of convicting him. Does the president automatically have to be removed or, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you've ever had a car that got involved in an accident and the value of the insurance claim to fix the car was greater than the actual worth of the car, what do they call it? They call it a salvaged title. You can still drive the car. But the question is, you know, what kind of value does it have? Well, we're going to get into this on the other side of this break. Eric Karen and I will continue our conversation about whether or not Joe Biden should be impeached. And if he is impeached, would he be convicted? That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Eric Karen is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. C-A-R-O-N, if you're Googling along with us at home. I'm Roger Marsh. SwitchedOnLife.com is his website. And also you can find information about his biography called Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. Eric, uh, I was uh, made aware of the work that you've done through a mutual friend, and I'm so grateful that we're getting some time on the program here. Um, yep. The All I have to do is say Hunter Biden laptop, and just about everybody in America now has an opinion on that. Um, yeah. The, the mainstream media, when the story first broke a couple of years ago, it was a month before the election, and we, we don't know if this is true or not, so we're just not going to say anything. Something tells me they knew a whole lot more than they actually did. You've actually done some investigation of the CIA yeah. as it pertains to this yeah. case. What do you know? What are you comfortable sharing with us? Yeah. Well, I, I've been, Roger, I've been calling for a, for a deep cleansing of, of the Department of Injustice and the FBI. Um, I'll call it a colonoscopy based oh. on what I've seen over the course mm -hmm. of the last, what, three, four years. Um, you know, at the highest levels, we know it's not the rank and file agents that I've worked with for, for 25 years. But right. at the highest levels, it, it has been weaponized. I mean, I mean, we can't close our eyes to it. Um, we, we see it, we read it, um, and unfortunately, it's been true. It's true. Um, now, the the Biden, your question relating to the Biden, I'll call it the Biden crime family, 
because that's what we have. And we have an unindicted co-conspirator in the Oval Office. Boy, that sounds so shocking, doesn't it? And it should. But the, the fact of the matter is we had a vice president, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, he was profiting personally off his office. And that goes against all regulations and procedures. You know, an employee, and this is a quote from the Department of Justice, an employee may not use his official position, including information learned by virtue virtue of his position, for his personal benefit or for the benefit of others. It sounds like what Joe Biden did. Mm-hmm. He used his office to enrich himself in his family. What I like to say is that the Biden family is like a was like or is like a big spider. And that spider built a nest, a web, I'm sorry. And in that web it attracted various insects and the some of those insects were intelligence services of the CIA and the Chinese spy agency. And so the Biden's attracted various characters to to the web, businessmen and foreign government officials and spy officials. Um, And so there's no doubt that the Bidens profited from from Joe Biden in his his position as vice president, hundreds of millions of dollars. The question is really in my eyes from where I sit, what did sit was where what did the CIA know? And when do they know it? Because mm-hmm. we know Hunter Biden had a secretary who is believed to be a Chinese spy. Mm-hmm. We know Hunter Biden met with the head of the Chinese intelligence service. That doesn't happen unless the CIA knows about it. Right. So, so bottom line, in, in, from where I sit, you know, at the thirty thousand foot level here, I. What I see is the ends justified the means. So the CIA looked at the Bidens as a means to gain access to foreign governments and into foreign governments. It was a, so the Bidens were a vessel into Ukraine or into China and probably half a dozen other countries, government agencies, government oval offices. And so, and the Chinese intelligence service did the same. They saw Hunter Biden as access to the vice president who had access to whom? The president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so the Bidens were just a vessel into each other's government spy agencies and being wow. able to spy on each other. Um, and I think that's going to, that's going to come out. And the fact of the matter is, again, I asked the question, what did the CIA know? When did they know? Because if they knew that crimes were being committed, Roger, they're obligated by regulations. Mm-hmm. And there's an executive order. Anybody can look it up. Executive order one, two, three, 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 one, two, three, 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 believe it or not. And it talks about the intelligence agencies, if their employees or other Officials connected to these agencies, such as uh, sources, are involved in criminal acts. They're obligated to inform the Department of Justice 
My guess is that didn't happen right. with the Biden crime family. Hmm. Eric Karen is with me today here on The Bottom Line, former special agent and uh, a man who has a passion for uh, seeking the truth and uh, revealing yep. it. Uh, his ministry called Switched On. Uh, we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, the full name of that Switched On Life. And then, of course, he writes in his autobiography, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. A lot to process in what you're talking about here, yeah. Eric. Uh, you mentioned that going back about four years. Does that mean, I mean, we, we know that Joe Biden was vice president 20, uh, 2009 through 2016, 17. And then there were a few years where he wasn't in office and then back in office again. Uh, in 2020 with the election and then 2021. Um, let, help us understand what this means in terms of, I think most people are uh, can piece together if he's the vice president and he's opening doors. We, we heard about Burisma. We know about different country, uh, com countries that uh, Hunter Biden allegedly was getting special treatment on, whether it's business deals or board seats or you know that, that type of thing. Where are we yeah. now in all this, though? I mean, because that, that laptop that just so happened to kind of rather carelessly show up at a repair shop and Hunter never got it back. And all of a sudden, all these I mean, that just seemed a little too obvious yeah. for me. Yeah. And way. yeah. And, and Roger, I mean, you have to stop and ask yourself the question, where where's the FBI? They've had the lop, laptop for a few years in that it's easy because I've done it, it's, it's fairly easy to indict someone um, when you have strong evidence um, relating to criminal acts at the federal level. You go into a grand jury. It's one-sided. Here, you know, here's the law that we believe has been violated. Here are the facts. And um, we want you to decide if, if there's a true bill or no bill. Um, and, and you, you, you 12, 15 juries decide, and that could have been done within months. And here we are two years. And that's why I'm saying the department of justice and the FBI needs a total colonoscopy because Hunter Biden could have been indicted within months of obtaining that laptop. But why is the question that that has not happened? And it hasn't happened because Hunter Biden was a source for the CIA, and it gets messy. Mm. Nobody wants to talk about that, Roger. The fact of the matter is, Hunter Biden was working on behalf of the CIA, and so nobody wants to talk about Hunter Biden because sources and methods, and it, it exposes, in reality, it really exposes the CIA to the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden crime family. And the question is, well, if they're aware of criminal acts, why didn't they follow procedures? Because mm -hmm. no one's above the law, Roger. I mean, me, right. you, anybody, president, you can't just violate you know, the law um, and, and think that, hey, I, I'm working for the FBI or I'm working for the CIA and I, I'm going to get away with it. And that's – listen, I ran sources for 25 years. And the FBI under, you know, in Boston, uh, where I worked for a bunch of years, learned the hard way that you cannot allow a source like Whitey Bulger mm -hmm. run amok. And they, they, they allow Whitey Bulger to commit crimes, including murder, and 
that's not right, obviously. No, of course and, uh, not. FBI officials were held accountable for, for, for that Whitey Bulger debacle. And, and that's what I'm saying with, with Hunter Biden and the CIA. The CIA feels they're, they're above the law. I mean, I've, I've, I spent six months at Langley in the basement working with their OIG folks, investigating the CIA involving a tech transfer case to China where they actually officially were allegedly working with us mm-hmm. uh, to on a criminal case. But behind the scenes, they backdoored us and they gave the targets a roadmap to the criminal case to preserve their relationship with the sources that who were targets of the criminal case. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, my goodness. And anybody Great. can look it up. It's it's Hughes and Laurel investigation uh, in, the, in, the, in the late 90s. Um, and people wonder why China is is ahead, basically ahead of us, is because China's stealing a lot of our technology, and um, as you know, in this case, we knew it, and uh, the CIA were protecting criminals. That's because amazing. They were working for them. Well, it's a fascinating yeah. statement from Eric Karen today here on the bottom line. Uh, we're talking about his switched on life ministry and the work he did as an agent investigating the CIA, and now where we are here in. Uh, the U.S. political times. I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back with one more short segment because the question on a lot of people's minds now is basically with the evidence that you know and what more and more people know with regard to the CIA, if the GOP gets control of the House and the Senate, will will there be an impeachment of Joe Biden? Will there be an indictment against Hunter Biden? I want to ask that question very carefully of uh, Special Agent Eric Karen in just yep. a moment as the bottom line continues. You know, one of the things I love about the ministry of preborn is that in addition to the the actual practical things that we talk about, the fact that women come in for a free ultrasound and a free pregnancy test, and once they see that ultrasound, 83% of the time, a woman who sees the ultrasound and hears the baby's heartbeat for the first time is going to say, that's my son, that's my daughter, I can't wait to be a mom. Or they're going to say, wow, that is a baby that's just so beautiful, and I can't wait to release this child for adoption. Now, obviously, there's a third option that's legal in the People's Republic of California. But the beautiful thing about preborn is more hearts and minds are being changed by simply showing mom and dad the image of the baby. But it's more than just that. Of the 56,000 pregnancy tests that were given last year, of the 25,000 babies saved at preborn clinics just through the first six months of this year, do you know how many women are also giving their hearts to Jesus Christ? Nearly 200 women per week. That's over nearly five, more than 5,000 decisions for Christ this year alone. Pro-life, pro-baby, pro-mom, pro-gospel. We're saving more than just babies. We're saving souls with preborn. Your $28 donation makes that happen for one child. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-2229. Call now. Eric Karen is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Special Agent Karen investigated the CIA for obstruction of justice. You heard him say in our last segment, uh, he spent six months at, at Langley. Um, th- this is a guy who has done his homework, has, uh, you know, sp- is speaking his piece now. And, uh, yeah. and, and the timing of our we had set this interview up a while ago. And the fact that we were just now able to get it on here right after the election, I think, is just so powerful, Eric, and somewhat providential in God's economy, because there is the possibility if the GOP takes the House and the Senate that we could be looking at an indictment, an investigation into Hunter Biden. We could be looking possibly possibly another presidential impeachment, this one over Joe Biden. First and foremost, yep. do would they have a case for impeaching the president? Would they have a case for indicting Hunter Biden if they do decide to pursue that? 
Well, Roger, I, I've been saying um, Roger, <laughs> Hunter Biden will take a plea. So mm-hmm. the Department of Injustice, that, that's what I call it right mm-hmm. now, yeah. under this administration, um, will, will offer Hunter Biden a plea agreement basically saying, hey, you know, we want, you, you know, you plead to this, plead guilty to some lesser included offense, uh, tax thing, a minor offense. Like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Some tax or you lied on a, a federal document. And um, so you'll li- you'll you'll plea out, you'll pay a million dollar penalty. That's a good round number. And mm-hmm. it sounds big. Yeah. But when you're making hundreds of millions of dollars, this is the right. cost of doing business. Nothing so to it. Yeah. Hunter Biden will take a plea. Um, Congress will impeach Joe Biden for high crimes and misdemeanor. And now, I, you know, you might ask me for for what offense is related to the 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 fact that he enriched himself as the vice president in mm-hmm. violation of r- laws and regulations, or is it maybe relating to the the border? where he's opened the border and people here in America are dying every in getting injured every day or is it maybe the the fact that he trampled on our first amendment when he allowed the Department of Justice and Department of Homeland Security to partner with social media outlets around the US and spy on Americans so mm. pick your pick your poison <laughs> but I do I believe Joe Biden will be impeached. Now, the question is, will he be removed? I don't feel the Senate will remove him from office, but he will, you know, he will be spanked, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, um, you know, but unfortunately, the American people, it's our system of justice, but we have so many, so many issues right now on our plate. Uh, relating to world affairs. Um, Roger, I can tell you that terrorists here in America and around the world look at our government as being very soft and we're very, very vulnerable to attacks right now on the homeland because Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. We know that in Africa, where I've traveled three times in the last eight months, is is, is in in turmoil. Um, We know that Terrorist attacks in Africa have, have are up three hundred percent in the last decade. Africa is on fire. The Middle East is on fire. Afghanistan has fourteen terrorist organizations there right now on the ground working. We know Ukraine. We know that Joe Biden, unfortunately, and this is not being said, but I think it's important that that it's 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 said is that we're in the first inning of a World War Three. In Ukraine, and Joe Biden in, in in Congress has walked us into World War Three. Instead of this, instead of walking us into peace these last six months or so, he's walked us into war, mm. and that's astonishing to me. Um, so we, as a society, we as Americans, we we better get switched on because there's hard times ahead. You know, it's interesting, Eric, I was just reading an article in the Dispatch a day or two ago, David French, who's been a pretty outspoken uh, critic of just about everybody, uh, you know, but especially uh, uh, the last two presidents, was talking about how honorable and noble it was for uh, the United States to actually uh, be holding up 
what's going on in Ukraine and the Ukrainian government, this, that, and the other thing. I don't get the sense that you agree with that. Is I that don't. Accurate? Okay. Yeah, it is. Why? I mean, it, well, we know that the Ukrainian government for decades is one of the most corrupt governments in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Put it up there with Nigeria and, you know, half of the other African countries, unfortunately. But the fact of the matter is, it's, you know, it's, it's sad but uh, I can't sugarcoat it, but Ukraine was one of the most corrupt governments in the world. And so I, I don't see where is the American interest in Ukraine strategically. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. You tell me, Roger. I don't see the, the strategic interest in Ukraine that we have to – give 40 billion plus dollars for that's with a b to ukraine and now we're giving advisors we're we're, we have advisors on the ground where is this going i see vietnam all over this yeah you know it's interesting because when you mention that you know where's the interest what the media will tell you is well russia's the big evil and Russia is what we're trying to fight against, and Ukraine's being overrun by Russia. So therefore, we this is one of those Iran versus Iraq type of things where we have to yep. we have to pick you know the 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 devil we know versus the devil we don't. And in this case, we know Russia, so we got to defend against them. But I, I'm getting the sense from you, Eric, that if the work that you've done in terms of the investigations, yep. knowing what's going on behind the scenes, that uh, Ukraine has a lot of blood on its hands too, and the more billions of dollars in aid and weaponry that we provide for them, we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot. Amen. Amen. And and you have to ask yourself, Roger, where are we going? What's the end game? Mm -hmm. I mean, we spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not, you know, why? And not so much why, but what do we gain? And more importantly, how do we, we, you know, the withdrawal was a debacle. Yes. yes um, and right. most, most military strategists would say, hey, we, we, you know, yes, we need to leave Afghanistan. It's long enough. I get it. But we, we, we needed to leave a strategic, if you will, force there to keep the lid on things now. Now, Afghanistan is gone. It's being led by the Taliban, who's a terror organization working in concert with 14 other terror organizations and the world is very, very dangerous right now. Very dangerous right now because of that. Mm. Um, Eric, give us 60 seconds uh, here at the end of our conversation about what you would recommend if you're in a position, U S government, you're newly elected to Congress. uh, What, what, what are you recommending that uh, the new Congress, the new Senate actually do? Well, my friend, thank you, Roger, for having me. You know, First and foremost, we, we, I know this is a cliche, but yes, we need to make America great again. Mm. Donald Trump aside, my own personal philosophy is that we have to strengthen the homeland, both you know, as individuals, our homes are a mess, families are broken, overdoses through the roof, a million people have died since 1999 in overdose alone. I mean, that's shocking. And a million people since 1999 in America mm. have died from overdose. Suicide, 50,000 people. Suicide, 50,000 people last year. Um, we know that, that, you know, inflation is through the roof, right? So mm-hmm. let's, strength, let's first and foremost 
let's focus on our security and our well-being here in America. That's what I want Congress to do. Rather than going off to Ukraine and giving them $40 billion to flush down the toilet. Because we're not going to see that money back. Right. And, and so let's, let's focus on America. Let's focus on, on partnering, with, partnering, partnering with countries um, that have our interests, who we can work with. And that includes maybe even, maybe even China. What do I mean by that? We can't cut China off totally right. because of, of the 40, 50-year relationship we've had with them, but we have to keep them in check. Amen. And so we need China. We need some of these other countries to, as partners, but it starts at home. We have to strengthen both our families and we have to strengthen, strengthen our country. Right now, we are soft. We are soft, and I'm very concerned about the future relating to international terrorists because there are no borders right now in America. It's, we're very soft, and bad guys go where it's soft, and we have 328 ports of entry into America. Mm. They all need to be secure, my friend. And bad guys go where it's soft. We learned that, we learned that lesson the hard way on 9-11. Yep. And the number one priority of our president, Roger, is to keep us safe. And right now, I'm not so sure that Joe Biden can do that. Well, that's a very fair and sober assessment from Eric Karen today here on The Bottom Line, special agent who investigated the CIA, who has seen what's happened with the current administration and laid out for us very plainly what charges could be filed and whether or not he would recommend going through them. If you missed any part of this conversation, make sure you go back to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever we are podcasting the show, and also at thebottomlineshow.com for that information. Switchedonlife.com is linked up there as well. You can learn more about Eric and the work that he is continuing to do. Eric, Karen, thank you for your service to our nation. Thank you for uh, the service to our people. And thanks for being with me today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger, and stay switched on. Wow. That's all I can say about that. What a fascinating conversation with former special agent Eric Karen today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called Switched On, and we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have a copy of the book to give away right now. Switched On, the heart and mind of a special agent. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Some final thoughts on whether or not the president should or could be impeached. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080. 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. 
My thanks again to Eric Karen, the author of the book called Switched On, which we have a link for up at thebottomlineshow.com, uh, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. And uh, Eric's been sharing with us his thoughts on whether or not Hunter Biden would be indicted or if Joe Biden would be impeached, if that would happen to both. Uh, 800-227-5278. We do have a copy of Eric Karen's book called Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, some very interesting questions raised by Eric Karen during the past 45 minutes or so with regard to whether or not he believes Hunter Biden will be indicted. He thinks it'll be a hand slap, as he put it, a uh, little tax evasion type of thing, a uh, million dollar fine, no big deal, because the bigger issue is what about the 46th president of the United States and how he handled his business while he was vice president. It sounds like there's quite a bit of evidence there to impeach. Do you impeach and remove? Eric Karen says no. You impeach and you don't remove. But I would love to get your thoughts. Drop me a line at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, you can write to me there. Send me an email. Uh, we're a little short on time, so we won't be taking calls here. But uh, would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you believe that the president of the United States should be impeached. Also, remember, uh, our th I am thankful for... Uh, promotion is going on for one more day well today and tomorrow uh, when you go to kbrightradio.com hit the banner for the i am thankful we are thankful and grateful for you and we are thankful for the people in our world uh, you go and fill out that form of who you are thankful for and we've got 29 gifts for 29 different people so your chances of winning are excellent uh, books and resources from dr jeremy mcgarity at skyline radio dr david jeremiah turning point we've got in and out hobby lobby gift cards books calendars and more go to kbrightradio.com forward slash thankful and sign up and you can get yourself registered for a friend to win one of these great gifts here at, uh, at Christmas time. Uh, well, Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. You can catch the rest of the program on Bottom Line Show Extra tonight at 7 and Bottom Line Rewind tomorrow at 1030. For those who remain with us here on the network, we're going to take a look at how the church can play an active role in uh, Racial Reconciliation and Healing. Michelle Sanchez is going to join me for a conversation on what she calls Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, dismantle racism, and build beloved community. We've got a link for that work up at thebottomlineshow.com. Michelle joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to have, a, I think, a fun and helpful conversation about an important topic, too, and that's the issue of what a lot of Christians have been wrestling with, especially in the past four or five years, the, the issue of racism how we build community within the church, how we can kind of uh, not be colorblind, but at the same time be color conscious. And Michelle Sanchez is with me today here on The Bottom Line. She's the author of a brand new book called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. It's a brand new book that just came out this past week. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Michelle T. Sanchez, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, Roger. Well, we are thrilled to have you here as well. She's the Executive Minister of Discipleship of Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a multi-ethnic denomination of 875 different congregations. Can you help us understand what it means to, be, to do that? Because I've heard pastors on both sides of the aisle saying, yes. I like to have multi-ethnic you know, ethnic churches, and we don't think it's the right thing. Talk about what uh, discipleship for uh, well, the Evangelical Covenant Church is all about. Well, one of the things that I love about the Evangelical Covenant Church is that we were doing diversity before it was trendy, PC, right. the cool thing to do, uh -huh. because we believe it is what God 
has called us to. And, you know, when we look at the scriptures, we do see this beautiful vision of God um, creating an incredibly diverse uh, creation in the Garden of Eden, followed by with Abraham and the call to bless all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world. Jesus called us to make disciples of all the peoples of the world. And then, of course, in Revelation, all the way at the end, we see every tribe, tongue and nation around the throne. So this is a godly vision. And it is something that, you know, we are to strive for in one way or another. Not everybody comes, of course, from a very diverse place or community necessarily, but we need to understand the heart of God. You know, I appreciate what you're saying about the heart, because I remember having a conversation with the venerable John Perkins uh, not too long ago, and he was, had written a book on the fact that he says, the way we're going to solve this problem is start with the church first. You know, to take a look at the issue. And I've so respected him for saying that. And guys like Tony Evans have been saying that too. I I love when he says, God takes care of the church house before the White House. You know, I mean, stop trying to to go after this from an election standpoint or a political standpoint and say, let's take a look at who we are. And one of the things you do write about in the book, Color Courageous Discipleship, is that very issue of, you know, racial discipleship as it is. That's It was a new term to me. Help our listeners understand what you mean by that. Oh my, well, see the fact that it's a new term for you and for many people, racial discipleship immediately calls attention to what the problem is here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we have not really been making clear connections in our church between following Jesus and resisting racism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We tend to view those things in very different categories. Oh, one is about discipleship. One is about justice, Right. But, but really, you know, these things are meant to go together. Followers of Jesus are meant to bring shalom and reconciliation to the world in every possible way. Yes. And so, so this is what we are called to. This is what we're all about. Um, and I've been a discipleship leader for many years, but the reality is I, even I wasn't making clear connections between following Jesus and resisting racism. And I realized, oh man, there is a big hole in the way that we've been doing discipleship, you know, most discipleship one-on-one textbooks, there isn't a chapter on race. There's a chapter on worship. There's a chapter on prayer. There's a chapter on Bible, but you probably not find a chapter on how to relate well to people of other races. And so this points to a big problem we've had historically for quite a while. We need to be discipled around matters of race too. I'm talking with Michelle T. Sanchez today here on the bottom line. She's got a brand new book on Racial discipleship. It's a great concept. It's a wonderful theme. The book is called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Michelle, as we're talking about race and talking about racism and and ways that we can stand up, again, guilty as charged. How many times have we all heard, you know, something about racial uh, disparity? And the first thing we think of is justice as opposed to discipleship. Yes. And I think once we retrain our brains and move in that direction, then we ask and answer questions. Like, for example, there are a lot of people who would say, well, when it comes to race, I mean, is that, is that even a biblical concept? I mean, we talk about race, necessity, and I think a lot of people kind of turn yes. toss those terms around. Help us understand, is race a biblical concept? Oh, my goodness. Okay, great question. So um, the answer is essentially yes and no. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. And what it, what it gets down to, uh, Roger, is the difference between two words, one being race and the other being ethnicity. So here's the thing, race, as we understand it today uh, with these harsh colors, black, 
white, red, yellow, you know, these are um, man-made ideas, a man-made construct, which um, was originally created in an effort to, for one group to exert power over another group. And we can look back historically and see when these terms arose and how they came to really categorize our whole society in terms of power structures, all the way back to the colonial times um, and through the development of American society. So race, you know, you won't find black, white, you know, in the Bible, right? Those, those ideas, those terms. But what you will find is ethnicity. You will find ethnicity in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, ethnicity, ethnic culture, it's a beautiful God-designed gift designed by God himself to bring glory to himself and enrichment to his whole kingdom. And I spoke earlier about how we can see that beauty all throughout the scriptures and how at the end of time, all of the nations, all of the ethnicities will be bringing their treasures uh, into the kingdom of God. And we're going to celebrate that. So there's this beauty that we want to celebrate when it comes to ethnicity. But when it comes to race and racism, these are things we want to dismantle in Jesus name. I, I love the fact that I talk a lot about this on the bottom line. The reason we call the program the bottom line is we want to take what the issues are, sort through what they aren't, focus on yes. what they are, and then be able to say, look, uh, we believe in cognitive dissonance, especially in the church. We should be able to hold on to two different thoughts at the same time, right? We should be able to yes. say, look, there's a difference between race and ethnicity. Ethnicity, embracing the different ethnicity is a healthy thing. Racism isn't. And so the idea that we can handle the two of those is a, it's a very plausible concept here, and it it should be a reality in the church. I'm talking with Michelle T. Sanchez today here on The Bottom Line about her brand new book called Color Courageous Discipleship, Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. I'm going to ask you a load of questions, Michelle, but I know you know the answer to it already. So (laughs) here, here it comes, because I'm sure you get asked this a lot. And that is, what do you say to the person who says, okay, I'm a Christian, I've grown up around different people of different backgrounds, different races, ethnicities, whatever you want to call it. And I don't see color. I see the person. How, I mean, how yes. do you respond as a Christian to say, well, let me tweak your thinking just a little bit on that. Yep. Well, first of all, let me say um, being colorblind is progress over being blatantly racist. Wouldn't, yes. wouldn't you agree okay. with that? <laughs> Absolutely. That's a very fair place to start. Sure. Oh, so my. first thing, uh, frankly, that I like to do um, with that kind of statement is to affirm, right? Here's somebody that understands that um, there are many people that treat racial difference with prejudice and bigotry and who make too much of racial categories right. in those ways. And so they're trying to do something intentional in how they view people uh, to lead to a place of equality. And, and that's the heart behind colorblindness or the sense of, I don't see race. Um, so there's, there's good intention behind it, which I like to affirm. Here's the thing though, what we've been coming to realize in this generation is that we still have racial inequality in, in pretty much every category we can measure in our society, whether it's education or criminal justice or healthcare or employment or wealth creation, we have massive disparities by race. And so we still have um, incredible racial inequality, but we don't have any racists. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, basically everyone's true. like, hey, I don't see color. Um, and, and and that's good. 
but we still have massive racial inequality. What's going on there? And so what we're learning, there's actual research behind this now, is that colorblindness actually leads to more racial inequality. It leads to that. Why does it lead to that? Because people who can't see race also can't see racial inequity as easily. They'll sort of miss it. And they won't be as interested in really taking a look at racial disparities. And so um, so this is the conundrum that we face, right? Yeah. Um, again, I, I think that, and this is why I, I wrote this, this work, encouraging people, hey, colorblindness is okay, but there's something better. Let's move from colorblind to color courageous. And what I mean by that is choose to courageously see color for the purpose of building a beloved community, of pursuing equality, of pursuing that kind of community that God intended for us. Boy, that's a beautiful, insightful, and may I say very loving and caring conversation <laughs> that we're having right here with Michelle T. Sanchez today here on The Bottom Line, because obviously when you have this dialogue with people who either didn't realize that these were their patterns, and this is what was kind of entrenched in their thinking, or people who maybe took the next step. I mean, as you mentioned, the, the person who says, I don't see color and winds up being a bigger racist than somebody else. <laughs> you know, that's, that, you and I both know examples of that. Hey, let's take a quick break here. Yeah. We'll, we'll, the book is called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, dismantle racism and build beloved community. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we we kind of need 90 seconds or a couple minutes here to kind of catch our collective breath and maybe heal up some of our wounds uh, that have come from friendly conversation, of course, but are like, yikes, I got some work to do. On the other side of this break, let's talk about some of the steps we could take, the ways, some simple ways that are not necessarily easy, but they are very simple in terms of ways that we could start addressing this issue and have more color courageous discipleship, not just color conscious discipleship. More of my conversation with Michelle Sanchez in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they had put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. Honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Michelle T. Sanchez is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. She's the author of a powerful new book that I highly recommend, giving it two thumbs way up for everybody on myhopenow.com. You saw my thumbs go up. They're not terribly <laughs> big, but they're right in front of the camera. Uh, the book is called Color Courageous Discipleship, Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Michelle, during the break, we were talking about that concept of beloved community, mm-hmm. and I've seen a number of people predominantly, I, I, just full transparency, predominantly in the more progressive circles of Christianity, use that term beloved community. I don't get the sense, though, that the way you write about it in the book, Color Courageous Discipleship, that it is kind of a Christian left type of mentality, but more of just a biblically based thought. Talk, oh, about, what yes. you, talk about what you mean by, by building beloved community. What's that beloved community look like? Yes, thank you. So yeah, for me, uh, beloved community is the end goal here. Uh, you know, 
at the simplest level, you got to ask yourself, okay, what is the difference between a secular approach to racial reconciliation and anti-racism and a Christian approach, a Jesus-centered approach? And the answer really is Jesus. And what was his highest priority, his highest command? It was love. It was love. And, you know, uh, the concept of beloved community comes to us from Dr. Martin Luther King. And he talked about beloved community increasingly toward the end of his life as his ultimate dream. And he did not get more time, you know, to really expand upon it. But this is one of my favorite quotes of his. He says, I do not think of political power as an end. Neither do I think of economic power as an end. They're ingredients in the objective that we seek in life, a truly brotherly society, the creation of the beloved community. And what I love so much about this quote, listen, it reminds us, Dr. King was a pastor first. He was a pastor first. And he wanted to make clear, look, justice, politics, economics, yes, these things are important. But ultimately, what is most important is the love of God that we would encounter the love of God together, that we would show one another the love of God together. That is the ultimate goal. And he's getting that, of course, from Jesus. Amen. Amen. And that what a great concept to have in terms of how do we approach this and how do we step into this? Talk to those of us who are here. Now, I mentioned uh, yeah, in yeah. the earlier segment that we were talking about uh, racial discipleship. And, and you said, wow, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you are not as familiar with that term. Now that we know what the racial discipleship is, the beloved community that you write about in Color Courageous Discipleship, which is up at the yeah. bottomlineshow.com, what are some practices that we can begin with? Because I know a lot of people, let's face it, you know, mm-hmm. whenever you're asking them to change a deeply and sincerely held religious belief, you have to ask the question, well, why am I doing this? Is this because of the society? Is this because of political correctness? Or is this really me getting into a deeper level of spiritual awareness and relationship yes. with God? Uh, Michelle Sanchez, how do you respond to that? So I encourage everyone, let's do justice with Jesus, justice with Jesus. On the one hand, it is a very simple idea, (laughs) Uh, but on the other, it's challenging for a variety of reasons. So my first encouragement is that whatever it is that we're doing to pursue racial reconciliation, always think about how Jesus is our model for that how he engaged in connecting with the marginalized, um, preaching the kingdom of God in a holistic way. Just keep tying everything back to Jesus. Now, um, the reason I say that it can be a little challenging is because I think that a lot of the resources out there remain sort of dichotomized. You find great resources about Jesus and a lot of great resources about justice, but not enough making the connections between the two. So listen, I do my absolute best in the book. One of the things that I do at the end of every single chapter is give a list of further resources, further places to go that make these kinds of connections that we really need. So, um, so yeah, check out the reading list is what I'd say. Yeah. That's a good place to start. You know, I think about my days in youth ministry and there was a group uh, that had a, a site called the center for center for parent youth understanding. And they had a little mantra that they used for parents who were trying to help understand the world their teens were. And I found it served me very, very well in my adult years in dealing with issues like the ones we're talking about. And that is read without reacting and listen without lecturing. Yes. And it's amazing how, and you'd write about this in your book, Color Courageous Discipleship, the fact that 
you can, as you call it, you know, reading and the, re rediscovering the technicolor text, you know, look, take a look at what people are writing about and hear their experiences. I mean, hear with their heart, with your heart. Like, I think sometimes we are in the American church, especially we're so quick to say, okay, I've got a solution for that. I know a guy, you know, I've got a program, you know, that'll fix this instead of saying, maybe the way we begin to relate to people is just to relate to people, just to let them talk, Amen. you know, to, Amen. To, to, and, and prayer plays a huge part in this too. Uh, Michelle Sanchez, what, how do you recommend we guide our prayer lives? Because I think we could be more, a little more intentional instead of just saying, God, heal the racial injustice in our nation. <laughs> Amen. You know, please, big lightning bolt, you know, and, and, and do all right. the work for us. And, and he works one-to-one, -one, doesn't he, in a yeah. situation like that? Well, I thank you for drawing attention. Um, yeah, there's the, the one chapter in the book is reading uh, in Technicolor text, reading in living color. So first of all, get yourself into colorful community. Uh, and make sure your bookshelf is colorful and people speaking into your life are colorful podcasts you're listening to. That is huge. Uh -huh. And then prayer. Uh, one of the things that we don't do well enough, but would really help for this journey is learning to lament. You know, most of the Psalms in the Bible are Psalms yes. of lament. Uh -huh. And what we can do, we, we need to, first of all, understand um, the issue of racism and racial inequality is one of deep pain and brokenness. It's a tragic issue. How do you pray about that? You, you pray through lament, but for a, a lot of reasons, we've sort of forgotten how to do that, or maybe even never learned how to lament. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about, well, what does that look like? How do you learn to connect with God in pain? And I start with your own pain. Okay. We each have our own personal pain of all kinds that we can connect with God on. And then I encourage us to expand that out to the pain of others. And as we engage in that kind of prayer, I think God can do some amazingly transformational work in our own hearts. Hmm. You know, I was thinking about Michelle, as you were talking about the pain and uh, other people's hurts, um, both of my parents are in the hospital right now. They're 89 years of age. And my mom has a roommate right now who just kind of randomly will moan. I mean, I, I don't know, oh. even if people don't, don't come in and like the nurse will come in and bring her food and she'll say, Oh, and the nurse will say, I didn't touch you. I just literally put the food on the tray. But I think about, you know, the fact that in her world, the way to deal with that is not to say, why are you moaning? I mean, there's some kind of pain that she's dealing with. And it's amazing how oftentimes when it comes to a situation like we're talking about, like this colored, courageous discipleship, oftentimes we might look at this and say, you know, well, I mean, <laughs> sorry, you're hurt, but you really don't have to be hurt. You know, you, you can be better about this instead of saying, wait, I thought scripture says weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Yes. I mean, isn't that, shouldn't that be our first reaction is to say, gosh, if you're in pain, I'm in pain. Let's figure this out together as opposed to you're in pain, but I don't think you need to be because I'm not comfortable with you being in pain right now. That's kind of the, the That's sense right. I, yeah. You um, know, one of the examples is Jesus. I see him when he goes to Mary and Martha after Lazarus passes mm -hmm. away. Yeah. Uh, they're crying. And he could say, listen, I'm the resurrection and the life. Like, why are you crying? What's right. wrong with you? Uh, get <laughs> yeah. over it. But he doesn't. He joins them in their grief and he cries too. There's something powerful about that connection. Yeah. I'm talking and had a great conversation today here with Michelle T. Sanchez. She's the author of a powerful book that I highly recommend. Uh, that's called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Michelle, last 60 seconds of our conversation is yours. What encouragement, what exhortation do you mm -hmm. have for our listeners today? Oh, 
justice with Jesus is the call. There's a lot of reasons why we've gotten away from that, but now Jesus is calling us back to the whole kingdom of God. And I pray you'll have the courage to go on that journey. I appreciate the book and uh, we've got the link, of course, up at the bottomlineshow.com. Grateful for the work that you're doing with the Evangelical Covenant Church as well. And we'll put that link up as well. So uh, listeners who want to learn more about this, uh, this uh, color courageous discipleship can do so and be intentional in the way we pray, the way we read, and the way we actually engage with other members of the body of Christ in, uh, in fellowship together. Michelle T. Sanchez, great to get to meet you. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much. And can I just say, Oh, by all means, we already find you on social media. <laughs> We've talked about this earlier. Now I forgot. So please let us know where we find I would, you on social. Because I would love to connect with your listeners. Yes. Uh-huh. Two ways. Uh, you can go to colorcourageous.com, colorcourageous.com for more information or for a free preview of the book, just text the word courage to 44144. Text courage to 44144. Thanks okay. so much. We'll have that information at thebottomlineshow.com as well. Michelle Sanchez, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Well, what a practical resource, and especially not only this time of year, but any time, especially with the way things are going in the culture right now. Michelle T. Sanchez, the book is called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away. They were very generous with her publisher. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This is not a Band-Aid over a big gaping wound in the culture, but rather the idea is if we use this kind of discipleship as a way to deeper our connection with God and then take a look at what it means to do what she calls racial discipleship. I would call it ethnic discipleship. It's amazing how you begin to see God in a whole different light. It really is. This is way beyond like reparations and stuff like that. This is far more about human dignity and ultimately what's going to matter most. So many of the world's solutions in this area are temporal This is more spiritual and eternal. Michelle T. Sanchez, the book is called Color Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Roger Marsh here. Just want to take a moment to thank you for the outstanding support that you've shown to our friends at Preborn. Up to this point, we have a remarkable report to share with you. Uh, Preborn last year placed 25 ultrasound machines in pregnancy health centers all over the country. And this year, they're going to add one more. Thanks to bottom line listeners, you have raised over $15,000 for the purpose of putting an ultrasound machine in a pregnancy health center. But there's more. You've also raised enough money to save the lives of 240 babies. That's right. Their moms come into a preborn clinic. For every 100 women who come in, 83 will have an ultrasound and see the baby's image and decide, oh my gosh, that's my son, that's my daughter. They hear the heartbeat and they get excited either to become new parents or to become parents who will release those children for adoption. Your $28 donation makes this possible. A $280 donation means that 10 babies' lives are saved. $2,800 will save 100 babies. $1,400 will save 
50. Now give us a call at 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com today. You'll see a pre-born banner. Click on that banner and make your donation. It takes less than 28 seconds to make a $28 donation that will save a baby's life. Contact Preborn right now. My thanks again to Michelle Sanchez for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Color, Courageous Discipleship. Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. We've got three copies of the book we're giving away right now. This is your chance. So you tuned in for the last 10, 15 minutes of the program. You heard my conversation with Michelle. You liked what we were talking about. And then, oh, by the way, we've got three copies of the book we're giving away free. Such a deal. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it's interesting because uh, it when you get right down to how oftentimes we fall into one of two categories when it comes to fighting racism and racial injustice. And we usually go into one of two bunkers. Bunker number one is all I see is the color of people's skin and everything is about that. And then the other bunker is, I don't see color. <laughs> I don't see race. I don't see ethnicity. There are ethnic differences that we have, different race and creed and color, that I believe God is okay with. The question is not, do we have different groups? The question is, how do we look at the dignity of the human beings occupying each space? And if we look at the world's way, take the cue of Tony Evans. He said, look, if you're trying for justice, you cannot have justice apart from righteousness. They are Siamese twins. So why not take the focus and put it on the racial dynamics that have formed us in our thinking and our feeling in the culture, and then take a look at what it means to biblically and proactively address inequity, not for the sake of reparations or for the sake of building up one race or ethnicity over another, but rather to say God wants this for biblical unity, a.k.a. the beloved community. So how do we move forth individually and collectively to become more color courageous in our discipleship? That's a powerful question to ask and answer, and that is the bottom line.